you so much for joining us on uh, what is certainly going to be a very special KTH 910 AM interview of the week uh, today because I have a very, very special guest in studio with me. And it's such a delight to have uh, this gentleman. I'm purposely building it up so you can uh, eventually find out who it is. Uh, he is none other than the lead shepherd, the bishop of the Diocese of Dallas. And he's right here visiting us uh, on this week as we approach Gaudete Sunday, this Sunday, tomorrow, as of the time of this airing. And so Bishop Edward Burns is here. And uh, thank you so much for uh, for being here. I always, uh, I just get excited because you're such a, a fun, uh, <laughs> you nice. Are, you're uh, being very kind. It, it is a <laughs> joy to be with you and the listeners. And what a blessing Guadalupe Radio is for all of us. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a privilege for me to be here. Thank you so much, David. And the reason you're here, other than, you know, to sit down for the interview, the primary reason is because you recorded a spot today that is going to be played across uh, our station, I think even some other stations in the, in the market, basically a, a Christmas greeting, which you have really done, I believe, every year since you've been bishop here. Correct. You know, when I arrived, I asked our communications people, in particular Annette Gonzalez-Taylor, to 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 see what we can do to arrange for a Christmas message to go out onto the secular stations. You know, people during rush hour and things. And of course, we're blessed with Guadalupe Radio and, and the wonderful ways in which we can get our messages out. But to, to really evangelize and to get a message of our Lord Jesus Christ onto the secular airwaves too is a goal that I have. Mm-hmm. And so the the radio stations have been very hospitable and very open. And so we have over the past uh, number of years since I've been bishop um, offering a, a Christmas message. Everyone needs to hear the message of our Lord Jesus Christ, the wonderful gift of salvation rooted in him. And so I'm not um, bashful. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to pro- proclaim the gospel message Amen. So, I remember yeah. the first interview I ever did with you. You said, we need to be proud to be Catholics. We need oh. to be proud of our faith. And I think you've carried that out uh, through your time here in the Dallas Diocese. Let me ask you, this, I don't think this is any big news flash, but this has been a tough year <laughs> uh, for everybody. It wasn't just tough for a few people. Everybody, uh, 2020 is one for the books. It's the one that's been really tough. And so now that we're in the final month of what has been universally a really challenging year. How does that change Advent uh, for you personally and for your message for people about approaching this, really the, this key day in the history of the world when Jesus Christ is born into the world? How, how would you advise our listeners to maybe make this Advent different than even last year or the year before? You know, it's interesting. You ask how this whole year has changed Advent. Actually, I think it has drove the point home because how much are we, because of this pandemic, a people of waiting, mm-hmm. a people of trying to endure and persevere through something? And that's ex- exactly the message of Advent. We have a hope for the end of this pandemic. We have a hope. And I am filled with that. This year has brought about so um, many uncertainties, civil unrest, the pandemic, you know, what are we going to do in the medical field? And how about all those wonderful people who serve as medical personnel, you know, who exhaust themselves in so many ways? The uncertainties of this year is now met by the absolute 
beauty of the mysteries of God's love. Mm-hmm. I, I'm so struck by that. So in looking at this year, I, I jokingly say to my staff, you know, I must have fell asleep in seminary uh, uh, during the class that offered <laughs> how to conduct church in a pandemic. Yeah, right. Because right. I did. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, we really are going by um, the seat of our pants and mm-hmm. as far as learning how to to really celebrate church, God's presence, and our need for God's presence during these moments. Well, there have been wonderful mysteries of God's love through these moments. I have wonderful young priests in the Diocese of Dallas who have stepped forward in order to be the ones who go into nursing homes and into intensive care units to anoint people Mm -hmm. who are suffering. And we have worked closely with the hospital personnel so as to get them certified to do all of that with all the restrictions that are out there today. I, I, for family members to say to us, we're so thankful that our priests can be present to our loved ones when we cannot. Mm-hmm. And so for us, that's just been so amazing. I think also about the televised mass that we've been doing over these months and the impact that that has had in people's lives. I'm touched by that. Mm-hmm. For for me, it's a no-brainer that, of course, we would pull all the technology at our resources to advance the gospel message and, and to celebrate the sacraments in a way that we can. I Allow me to share with you one powerful story. And you know that our weekly mass airs at 11 o'clock you know, on cable network. But at that very time, at 11 a.m. on Sunday, is it also live streamed through our um, website, through Facebook, through Snapchat. And with it, there is this one woman in our Diocese of Dallas who has two sons in the military. I, I, I forget exactly where they are, but I think that they're one in Pakistan and one in Iraq. And they're all from Dallas. But one of the things they they do, and she doesn't uh, have Facebook or Internet or whatever the case, she watches online, or rather she watches on the cable network Mm -hmm. while her sons watch at the very same time online. Mm -hmm. So the three of them are connected by prayer, by the celebration of the Eucharist, and they share a oneness of faith, a oneness of their family. It just strengthens them. Probably different time zones too, right? Of course, at different times of the night, you know, but what a powerful message. And, And I suppose I would never have thought about an opportunity like that even happening, but the uncertainties of this year... And the uncertainties in our lives brings about the mysteries of God's love. Mm-hmm. And I just love seeing that. And what a blessing that people have been able to connect this way. I know the Catholic Foundation has been very instrumental in that and funding this. I think they, they have they been continue a blessing. to do this. Sure. Uh, on the other hand, you know, I talk to a lot of people and they say, I miss parish life. I miss <clears> getting <throat> together. I know it's, it's awkward for me to, do I shake hands? Do I do fist bump? I want to hug people. It's, you know, do we got masks on? Do we, you know, the social distancing? It, in many ways goes, it's almost against our nature because we're, we're a, uh, people that loves to be together. We like to be at concerts and events and church. And so what do you say to the people who are 
uh, you, you've had to make some tough decisions about, uh, and, and of course the, the pastors do as well, but people who are, are like you say, eager and excited to, right. to get back to normal, but it's not normal yet. Uh, what's your message for them? You know, David, we are an incarnational church. We're in the flesh. Yeah. We want to be, you know, embodied as, as, as the church, the body of Christ to be with one another. And Jesus tells us that he is the word made flesh. And in John's gospel, chapter six, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you shall not have life in me. Uh, we're an incar- incarnational church. And it's important mm-hmm. for us to, to embrace one another, to be with one another, to care for one another, not to distance ourselves from one another. So there is a difficulty. That's why I say this pandemic has drove home the point of Advent. We wait in hope. There's going to be a day and we're going to be together again and we're going to have that embrace. We're going to have that prayer together. And so we, we really do wait in, in hope for, for all of that. All will be well. We just need to go through what Advent tells us, a patient endurance. Mm-hmm. And so we patiently endure this. And, and then our hearts are filled with faith and hope because of this. And it's important that we remain people and disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ who promises us. We live in the promise that Christ gives us. And and so it does. It fills us with hope. Yes. Uh, Bishop Edward Burns joining us for this very special uh, KTH 910 AM interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. It's uh, We're right on the uh, cusp of Gaudete uh, Sunday. And I think the Advent season oftentimes is not quite understood. Uh, and, uh, you know, of course, we're surrounded by a lot of, you know, the, the lights and the music. And I love listening to Christmas music. And we just recently had our Christmas show and we were playing some, so I don't fault anybody for, for, for playing the, the, the music. But at the same time, there's an element of Advent that is waiting, even penitential, right? Uh, the, 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 the purple. Uh, and how, how would you um, advise people to have that balance of not, you know, Christ isn't, we're not celebrating Christ yet, but at the same time, it's hard to not feel the joy of expectation. Where's that balance? Exactly. Uh, it, it's the preparation that we have to go through for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the mm-hmm. beginning part of Advent, it's a more of a uh, eschatological preparation, you know, the end time and how do we see ourselves in, 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 um, in our participation in God's divine plan and, and what plan he has for us. And then as you get to December 17, you know, and you start to then focus on the actual celebration of our Lord who was born in Bethlehem. Through it all, Advent is that time of preparation, a time of looking at our own sinfulness to confess our sins and to prepare, um, a place in our lives for our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, a lot of people are preparing, as you mentioned, for Christmas. You know, the lights and and all the music. Well, you know that in, uh, even, for example, as an uh, analogy, in our living room, we have to make some space in our living room for the Christmas tree that we're going to put mm-hmm. up. So we have to move a few things. We got to put a few things away. We got to organize things and then we can put a tree in our living room. Well, 
to use that as an analogy, there's some organizing we need to do in our spiritual lives too. Mm-hmm. And there's some things we could probably take out of our lives that clutter us. And so we need to make room in our heart for our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is the advent opportunity for us to make that room in our lives, you know, for our Lord Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and to unclutter our lives with things that, um, may monopolize our time or take our gaze or our attention away from our Lord. This is a time to really fix our gaze once again on on him, uh, Jesus, who is the Word made flesh. Amen. Bishop Burns joining us here on the KTH 910 AM interview of the week. I want to combine a couple of things you said. You mentioned a moment ago about the priests and the sacrifices they make, especially those who are dealing uh, with uh, COVID. I interviewed Father Sokowski and uh, Father Timo recently about their and going into the hospitals. And uh, the, the, and you also mentioned there's no course in seminary about how to deal with a pandemic. What are you hearing from your priests? What are their needs? What would you say to the, the parishioner out there saying, I want to do something special for my priest because I know this has been a tough year for him as well. Um, what are your priests saying about parish life and how can we, how can we help them? As the Bishop of the Diocese of Dallas, Texas, allow me to boast in our priest. They are the hardest working men ever. They are so dedicated and committed. I am so proud of them. They have such a care and concern for the faithful. We all agonize um, during these days of the pandemic because it was excruciating to us to have to close our parishes. You have no idea what it did to us as men who have given our lives to the celebration of the word and sacraments to now say we need to close. So they are grappling with how it is we are going to invite all these people back to our parishes and the best way to do it, the safest way to do it, and the sure way of doing it uh, so that we can um, once again uh, get back into step with, of celebrating the seasons of the church, the times, uh, the seasons of the times, and uh, the regular tempo mm-hmm. of the liturgical year. Yes, get back. And what are your personal plans for Christmas? Once Christmas does arrive, <laughs> Uh, are you staying put? You going back to Pittsburgh for family, or going to go? Maybe maybe you take a jaunt to Alaska and see some real flock. <laughs> are you traveling, staying put? What are your What are your plans? <laughs> you know, I have to say that I'm I'm actually a little saddened this year because I have a tradition. Uh, ever since I was ordained um, a bishop uh, ten years ago, that every Christmas, every Christmas morning. I celebrate Mass in a prison because what I learned is that in prisons, there are no Christian ministers in there. A lot of them come to the prisons on Christmas Eve and and celebrate the um, uh, the Christmas celebrations on Christmas Eve so that they could be home yeah. with their families on Christmas morning. Well, when I first learned that, I dedicated myself to going to a prison every Christmas morning because that was the most difficult moment for prisoners, knowing that Christmas morning without their families and there's an absence in the, in their families' homes because they weren't there, mm-hmm. that it caused them just to stay in their bunk and pull the you know, blankets up over their heads. And, and so when I would go to the prisons, 
on Christmas morning, being the only um, minister, priest, you know, uh, pastor who would go in on Christmas morning, we would fill the place, Mm -hmm. whether it be an auditorium, a gymnasium or something like that. They all wanted to be together on Mm -hmm. on Christmas morning. What's unfortunate, and what I say I'm agonizing over it this year, is that this year I'm unable to do that because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. They're not letting anyone anyone in. Yeah, and it's really sad. I'm going to ask the listeners for prayers for all those who are in prison, incarcerated, uh, and all those who may be uh, away from their family members in a nursing home or whatever it might be. Um, the difficult aspects of this pandemic and how it becomes so very real, um, especially for people who cannot be with their loved ones or even loved ones who, because of safety purposes and for safety reasons, are not going to travel mm-hmm. to other family members. So let's just keep each other in prayer during these days. Yeah, certainly. 2021, any big uh, news or anything that we can expect around the corner? Uh, new parishes, schools, initiatives? I think that the uh, Bishop of the Diocese of Dallas needs a resolution of losing a couple pounds. <laughs> <laughs> I need as much help as I can get. Yeah, just maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so that's your personal resolution. Yeah. Huh? Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Well, we'll have you back I, next year and we'll, we'll get you on the scale yeah, again. I just okay. Okay. Declared that publicly, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> Any anything diocese wise that wide that we can expect? Or, oh, thank uh, you very much. In, in actuality, uh, the answer is yes, because I would like to see um, an an advanced evangelical thrust to evangelize um, now more than ever in the diocese of Dallas when. I recognized that the past couple months we have had uh, televised masses. Mm-hmm. People now, I need to challenge them to go from the comfort of their sofas to the hardness of the pews, yeah. you know, and and to once again gather. To do that means that we have to take some additional steps so as to fan into flame the gift that they received you know, in, in baptism, to fan into flame, as St. Paul says to Timothy, you know, to, to spark that faith once again so they step forward. Yeah. And well, so that's what I see as a real challenge for 2021. We'll have to do an interview on just on that, maybe in the new year, if you sure. can come back and we Absolutely. can talk about what this is, because I'm sure it's multi-layered in parish and diocesan Indeed. and all that. So I saved my my toughest questions for the end, okay? <laughs> and these are going to be really, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, here we go. What's your favorite Christmas song? Do you have a, a favorite Christmas song? I have song? to say that, in fact, we were just talking earlier, Oh Holy Night. Is, oh Holy Night, yeah. yeah it's yeah. really one of my, you know, okay. my favorites, but I have a whole host of them because Christmas is such a special, special. Time. All right. Favorite Christmas movie? Do you have one that you like to cozy up to? Uh, my family and I love the the Christmas movies. Is there one that comes to mind? Any one that you watch every year? Well, there's always there's always. I, I'm not a TV watcher. Okay. I have to say this, but uh, it's a Wonderful Life is always yeah. the, with Jimmy Stewart is always that uh, famous classic. You know, yeah. But, I always uh, cry at the end. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Those are the tough questions. I won't ask. Uh, oh, uh, eggnog or hot chocolate? So I you're won't not, not going to ask if I've been naughty or nice. <laughs> 
<laughs> no. no, I think that's your job to ask me. And then we can go and you can hear my confession. <laughs> Dave, it is always a joy being with you and your listeners. Thank you so much. Thank you for this wonderful, wonderful ministry that Guadalupe Radio provides. We are grateful. And to all the listeners out there who are generous to Guadalupe Radio, I want to say a word of personal thanks also. Yes, thank you. And also support your parishes, support the diocese. Everybody, you know, it's a tough year for everybody. Uh, Bishop Burns, thank you so much. It is a joy to have you here. And you even brought uh, Annette Gonzalez with you. You're, oh, she's uh, a blessing Annette to Gonzalez our Taylor, the communication director. director. Would yes. you uh, close us with a blessing before we say goodbye to everybody? Absolutely. Good and gracious God, Heavenly Father, during these days of uncertainty, we do rest in the mysteries of your love. It is in that love, Heavenly Father, that we ask that you bless us in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you again. Thanks, Annette, for being here. Thanks to Cecil for uh, recording the show. Cecil starts full time in, uh, actually, it was yesterday as of the recording of the show. I got a time shift here, okay? Yesterday, uh, she became our, our full time North Texas assistant, is her t- title. So congratulations to her. And uh, thank you for listening. And as the new, as this year winds up down and the new year begins, I always look for ideas for programs. I say if it's Catholic and local, it fits the, the, the bill for this program. So if you have ideas, uh, something that's, that's, you know, good and edifying that's, uh, people across North Texas should hear about, let me know. Email me, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. And on behalf of all of our listeners, uh, Bishop Burns, thank you. Happy Advent, and we wish you a very Merry uh, Christmas and New Year as well. Hopefully, uh, we'll see you around very soon. I look forward to coming back, and blessings to you and all your listeners. Thank you. For the 17th year, the Rebecca Leah Rivera Foundation is offering Spirit of Love scholarships to students at Catholic schools in the Diocese of Dallas. The scholarships are being given in memory of Rebecca Rivera, a 2001 graduate of Ursuline Academy of Dallas, who passed away in June 2004. The application and email submission period is January 2nd through February 1st, 2021. For more information, visit RebeccaLeahRivera.org or call 972-480-5273. During the Advent and Christmas seasons, Sacred Heart Books and Gifts is here to help you grow closer to God by making it a prayerful and spiritual time. Find books to fill your Advent with a sense of holy anticipation or to help you start the new year with a new perspective. Check out their Christmas section for music, artwork, nativity sets, stocking stuffers, and more. Visit their website at sacredheartdallas.com for promotions and special events. Sacred Heart is a longtime sponsor of KATH 910 AM. Welcome, everybody, to this edition of the KTH 910 AM Interview of the Week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. I'm Dave Palmer. Cecil Anderson is behind the glass, and uh, we have two guests in studio. And this is a... I always talk about how unique this uh, program is and the eclecticism of the topics. And this is is covering new ground here because we have a beloved priest in the Dallas Diocese who I have come to know and uh, really develop a friendship with by the name of Father James Yamauchi. Previously at, uh, well, several parishes, but most recently at St. Martin of Tours in Forney. And you may or may not know that he now is the Associate Director of Formation at Holy Trinity Seminary. And he is in studio with me, along with his younger brother, whose name is John Peter Yamuchi. And John Peter is the producer of a podcast that Father James and he are working on. And in fact, they've already done four of them. And it's called That's the Word. So we're going to talk about the inspiration and origin of this, what it's all about, why they're doing it. 
and how you can uh, listen to these and hopefully uh, grow and learn some good storytelling and some evangelization mixed in as well. So welcome to both of you and thanks for coming in. Thank you, David. It's uh, great to be with you, Dave, and uh, especially uh, I'm now just down the street from you. Yeah. Instead of coming yeah. all the way from Forney, Holy Trinity Seminary is right next to the University of Dallas, and so uh, just a couple exits from you. Yeah, which uh, leads me to a question I won't ask first, but uh, about how you're recording these, because you can always use our facilities if you want it, but obviously you've got your own recording. So let me let me ask you first, uh, Father James, and then I'm going to go to John Peter, the producer, or either of you can answer this. How did this whole idea, what was the genesis of it? How did it come about over, you know, a dinner conversation one night? Or is this something that's been percolating for a while? Or, or where, where, where did this come from? Actually, about a year ago, that's when we first began to talk about the concept of doing something that wound up being this podcast. Uh, John Peter and I had a conversation about how powerful storytelling is. Yeah. And how powerful that, uh, that instrument has been throughout human history. I mean, just look at the Gospels, Yeah, how often Jesus was able to convey his truths through the art of parables and different other literary formats uh, to proclaim his message. And so, and we also see that in society at large, the ability to tell a story in different entertainment forums or educational academic settings, and you look at the ancient cultures. And we live in such a busy society and world that I think sometimes we forget the basic beauty and simplicity of storytelling. Yeah. And so we decided what a great way to be able to present the faith, not only to our fellow Catholics, but maybe also as a way to evangelize to people who may not step into the doors of the church, but may be open in the medium of a podcast to be able to hear a story that can ultimately bring them closer to understand the truths of human nature and the truth of our world, which is tied as Catholics, we know, mm. with the person of Jesus Christ. Yes. And uh, John Peter, what appeal, what about this appealed to you? And also, if you could uh, tell us about the, uh, the name, that's the word. Where did that come from? And uh, why, why did you sign up for this? Why, why did you think this would be a good, fun thing to do? Well, I know Father James is a great storyteller. And it was just a really interesting concept. We didn't really see anyone else doing something like storytelling out there. Just basic storytelling, not necessarily linked directly to Catholicism where it's talking about a specific saint, but just about virtue and uh, wholesome things, wholesome yeah. subjects. Yeah. So the name that's the word actually comes as a result of the inspirations for the podcast. Uh, Father James, I know, grew up with Paul Harvey on the radio, uh, who had his segment, The Rest of the Story. And more recently, I've been listening to uh, Mike Rose, The Way I Heard It. Yeah. And so that was, that's the word was sort of a euphemism that sounded in the vein of those two, uh, those two inspirations for the podcast, and which matching the story format. And yeah. so that's where the title that's the word comes from yeah i'm so taken by what you said about the busyness of uh, our life right now and it does seem like people don't generally uh, there's so much hard news you know we want to know what's going on in the election we want to know what's going on in with with covid or we want to know, you know there's there's news and people are following the news cycles and and these are kind of a step back and it's just 
I don't know. It's it's a neat but almost kind of lost art form, isn't it? I mean, it, and I, I, I've also heard of some of Mike Rowe, but there aren't many storytellers these days, are there? Not as many. Not as many, and I think it's something that we should be able to embrace and cultivate in our families, in our communities, in our society, not to escape from the realities of life, but to be inspired mm-hmm. and to be able to uh, embrace the challenges and what we would say as Catholics, the crosses of life. Yeah, You look at the stories, just even within the church, the stories of Christ, the stories of the Israelites in the scriptures, whether it be New Testament, Old Testament, but you also look at the amazing stories of the saints. And then you start kind of peeling outside of that, looking at just goodness and virtue and human qualities in men and women in um, countless ages, uh, different stages of life, different vocations of life. And yes, we look at our current affairs and we can see the difficulties, the challenges, um, but we also know that there were difficulties and challenges before. And storytelling is that medium that allows us to be able to remember uh, how those people were able to embrace their crosses and how we can do the same. Yeah. So, um uh, John Peter, how obviously the stories have to be good. You have to, there has to be, I guess, some level of research, finding the stories because they don't fall from trees. Are, is that your responsibility? How do you find the stories and what makes for a good podcast? And, and maybe you, you do, how do you write them up and then give them to Father James or tell me about that process? So it's a mixture. So Father James and I both share the responsibility of writing. So we'll come up with ideas, concepts, throw them in a Trello board. And uh, start work from there. We'll take an idea and write it out. And like you said, it's not easy to find these stories. These stories are not easy to write either, honestly. That's what takes the most time out of any of the work that goes into this. So we'll write it out. Sometimes a story won't pan out. It won't be something that we can use with the format we have. But we have, uh, once we figure out uh, what the story is, we do the research find the uh, the twist, find the little nugget in the story that will be the hook for this short story. And then we'll both pass it back and forth, refine it. And then uh, once we both agree it's ready, then we pass it on to just record it and send it out. There's There seems to be a quality in short stories where there is a little bit of a, a, a cliffhanger or is that common in yours or in most short stories where you're leaving people hanging a little bit uh, rather than saying, let me tell you the story about, you know, Ray Kroc, the founder of McDonald's. You're telling a story and then you're not quite giving all the information at the end they find out. Is that is that a quality of storytelling that is common and something that you try to leave people kind of hanging like they got to they got to keep listening to the end to find out the hook, like you say? Or is that something that comes up in these podcasts? I would say we mentioned a couple of people before that have inspired us. One for me was Paul Harvey listening to his uh, noon broadcast. And the approach of presenting stories so that the listener is an active participant putting the pieces of the story together for the eventual punchline is such an engaging and fun style. And that's what we decided to adopt. So there may be stories that you are familiar with uh, there may be persons in the stories that you are familiar with, but what we hope is that even if you're familiar with the story, there's something that can catch your attention 
and leave you being an active participant. And it's not till the very end or at least close to the end that you realize, aha, here's a story that either I've never heard of before or an aspect of the story that is not as well known. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's also another component I think about storytelling. It's not just a one person conveying a story. He's the only participant and everybody else is just passive. The idea is that everybody is kind of engaged and can participate. And then by that, the virtues that we are communicating or the lessons of the human character that we are presenting can leave a deeper impact on a person than them saying, okay, well, I listened from something for seven minutes and I'm moving on with my day. That by having a little bit of a nugget out there that, that people want to latch on and, and be able to understand more, it can be more impressionable in their own lives. And days or weeks after the whole podcast, maybe that aspect, that virtue can be something that um, is reminiscent in their lives. Mm-hmm. That's, that's our hope in presenting the story. So the idea is to let them become an active participant in being able to understand what is going on in this yeah. uh, particular story. Yeah, certainly. That's the word is the name of the podcast. Of course, we'll let you know how you can find it. I know I found it just by doing a search uh, on, you know, search engines. You can find it. Maybe put in Yamauchi, if you can spell that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Y-A-M-A-U-C-H-I. Uh, Father James Yamauchi and also John, his brother, John Peter Yamauchi, joining me now. So the, the they're not overtly religious or Catholic or Christian, I, I'm guessing, but there is an element of virtue. There's an evangelization element to that. So how, how, do, how do you find that balance? And, and how do you find the stories that are not only going to be interesting, but edifying from a spiritual standpoint? Really, it's what interests us primarily. And that's why we're not saying that this is all just purely Catholic, overt Catholic stories, where it's going to be a lot of that because that's our interest as Catholics. Uh, but we're interested in wholesome tales for the whole family. Mm-hmm. We're just interested in wherever we can find a story that interests us, that excites us, and that we can, uh, and that will, we think will be a wholesome, edifying story that you can share with your whole family. Yes. Let's uh, talk about some of the ones you've actually done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the very first one, which was published on November 14th of this year, uh, is called The Origin of the Hula Burger. All right. Uh, interesting title. So what's for the, the we hope that like, obviously you don't want to give away the farm and tell them the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, why, why was that the first one to come out of the, the gate? Well, actually, in this sec- this, this steps back into something that occurred in the spring when uh, we had the uh, – when, when there was the need to not have the public celebration of Mass in the spring with Bishop Burns' decision. One of the things as a pastor at the time I wanted to make sure is that I stayed connected with my flock. And so what developed was a daily Facebook Live uh, occurrence we call it the father at five mm-hmm. and uh so every five o'clock every day at five Tune o'clock into the father at five yeah father mm-hmm. at five yeah. we need your radio voice there but yeah every uh evening at five o'clock um you know the intention was i just come on we pray evening prayer i thought that was a good formational piece if people can't come to the uh sacrifice of the mass there's still that liturgical element of prayer and the prayer of the church with vespers and then also developed into a catechetical piece where we could just share um, just a little bit about the faith. 
so that through Lent and then through the Easter season. And this went on from the end of March until the end of May. And John Peter shortly came on and helped produce it and made it 10 times better from a production standpoint. And uh, we would just have fun discussions on different Catholic topics. And one of them came with the notion of, hey, do you know the story of the Hula Burger? Mm-hmm. And that became such a tagline that people would leave comments even in future shows that we did and said, uh, you know, here, yeah. It's, it, you know, they would always bring up the hula burger. Yeah. And so we thought for this podcast, what a great opening to be able to talk about something that is uh, definitely known in society in terms of, to the point, the punchline, mm-hmm. um, but maybe not realizing the origin yeah. of that. And quite, quite frankly, you know, it's not about the hula burger at the end of the day. Yeah, right, right. And you have a little tagline, Lou had a problem, but his solution was a little fishy. So you just tell them enough to get the interest, but not you're not giving away the farm. And Dave, the whole story. to be honest, I didn't even know he was going to put that in there. Oh, yeah? In the tagline. And I looked at it, and I'm like, all right, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah, so um, why don't you talk also about a couple of the other ones. You've had three, so uh, four so far. Uh, I'll just say the titles, and you can talk about any one of them you want. How's that? Desperation of the Downs family, a general who knew how not to overstay his welcome, and then a vote of confidence. And that just came out um, within the last couple of days, right? So pick, pick one or two of those and tell us about them, what to, uh, enough to intrigue people to go, but not tell them what it's all about. Right. Well, some of these stories, uh, for the first one, Desperation of the Downs Family, what I found very interesting about that story is – the central character is somebody that you hear a lot about and uh, you see his face a lot and you see his name a lot, but you don't really know who he is. You don't know who this man is. You, you, mm-hmm. you have a very, don't get a very good sense of who he is from what we hear and what most people know. And what I thought was cool was how human the story was and how heroic the story was. And how uh, you, most people just don't know about that story, even though they may know the name mm-hmm. that's associated with the story. And yeah. if I may add, the other beautiful thing about it is that that story is so foundational to be able to understand why we know about this person to this day. I haven't listened to this one yet, but you got me intrigued now. <laughs> now the, the tagline is, without help. Alfred Downs's fate lay in the hands of the court, right? Yes. Okay. And then the general definitely knew how to always leave the party early. Uh, tell us about the production element of it, because obviously it has to sound crisp and clear. You might have a little music or an intro, and you know you, you want it to sound really good. It's not just somebody talking into a mic. So tell, tell us how you make those decisions and how you make it sound appealing. Trial and error. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of, yeah, actually, that's mostly it. We have a microphone set up. We actually have a very janky setup right now. So we have one microphone uh, with a stand that we were using before. So there are some issues that we thought were with the microphone, so we switched it out with another one just by with duct tape. And we never switched back. We haven't switched back yet because it turned out not to be the microphone. But uh, we have... Uh, space upstairs where we have the table set up 
and the microphone. Father James is on one side. I'm on the other, manning the recorder. And so it's kind of like this studio, except just um, not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, it's, it's like it, but it's not. Yes. Yeah. A lot, lo, a lot lower tech, and a lot more. Again, trial and error. We're still figuring out how to make it sound crisp and whatnot. I might need to hit you up after. We uh, go off the air with for some tips. Yeah, what I'll do is I'll listen to all four of them, and then I can send you my my tips for whatever it's worth, and maybe Cecil can listen to some as well. So now we get uh, that's the production elements, but the the delivery is very important. Obviously, mm-hmm. not everybody can tell stories. Not mm-hmm. everybody has the, the 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 talent in it. So, um, uh, how what, what's what's your strategy, or how do you how do you speak, or how do you Tell the story and to keep people's interest. Honestly, Dave, and today we actually recorded a couple more stories. It's a very humbling experience because I realize this is not easy. (laughs) This is not easy. Uh, So the folks who do this professionally on a much bigger level, I have a deeper respect for. Uh, I I think just naturally, I've always loved to be able to communicate uh, you know my love for the radio when mm-hmm. I was a kid. I wanted to be a DJ or a meteorologist. And when I was in fifth grade, I actually got to give the weather forecast on the radio station every morning at 6.30 a.m. And so I've always loved the ability just to communicate to folks. Yeah. And that's what I love about being a priest is the ability to communicate not just a message, but the greatest message ever, the person mm-hmm. of Jesus Christ. And so it's using... I guess a natural gift that God has entrusted me with, uh, but then also realizing that there can always be room for growth. Yeah. Um, you know, I've learned in a production studio the nice thing about producing something that is that is basically going through a production level thing of it. it you don't have to get it right like you do on yeah. live radio, uh, and so there is a little bit of trial and error. Uh, also, pace. You know, yeah. as I listen back to this, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, there's all these little um, tips yeah. and tricks. And so it, it's definitely, I haven't got a name professional uh, education on this or training on this. And so it is a lot of trial and error. But what we hope is that the Holy Spirit can use the instruments that we are, insufficient as we are, to be able to. And that's that's really at the end of the day, John Pierre and I love doing this because I think we've just grown, even if nobody else got anything out of it, I think we have grown yeah. as brothers and also as Catholic men and just being able to say, this is so awesome. This yeah. is so beautiful. And so it's just icing on the cake if it can help someone else in their needs, wherever they may be, whatever may be going on in their lives. We may never be able to talk with them, but uh, you know, the story can inspire and put a smile on their face, and that's... Uh, that's reward in and of itself for yeah, us. certainly is. And I think one thing that I realized, especially after talking to the two of you now, is that there's a lot that goes into this. I mean, somebody goes online and they listen for seven minutes, but you have to research the story, you have to write it, you have to produce it, you have to voice it, you probably are doing editing. I mean, there, there's a lot that goes into it to make a finished product. Not that I have to tell you two this. I mean, you know that, but uh, it gives a whole different level of... Um, kind of admiration for what you guys are doing busy guys you know we're busy priest uh, now the frequency are you averaging about one one a week or are you on a strict um like people can expect one to come out every week or just say hey as they come out or what yes every wednesday you can expect a new story from that's the word okay how do people access it 
So you can go online. You can access it from any platform like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. There's a ton of them. Or you can go to our website, sonsofthunderrock.com. Uh, <laughs> sonsofthunderrock.com. <laughs> Yep. And uh, James and John, right? There, there, there you go. go. You okay. the did, your parent, did your parents intend that or uh, name two kids after the Sons of Thunder? I was thinking like, oh, that's actually your name. I think it? it just kind of came because it's John, Peter, and James. So you think yeah. about Sons of Thunder, James and John, and then Peter is Kepha Rock. Son, and so John Peter thought of that. Yeah, Sons of Thunder him, Rock. You got all, though. Everybody covered. Yeah. So Sons of Thunder Rock. Yes, dot com. That's also where you can sign up for our weekly newsletter if you want to stay uh, up to date on the podcast that way. Yeah. And this is not, I'm, oh, I guess I'll just ask, is this something that you would ever want to monetize or is it just for fun? Is that down the road or is this just, hey, we're just doing this? Or I wouldn't uh, say monetize and I wouldn't say fun. I would say really we see this as our way to contribute to the evangel- evangelization of the church at the current yeah, time. Yeah. I mean, and, and to see where it goes, you know, we'll see where it goes. And, and like I said, if it, if it doesn't go anywhere, then there's relatives and families and friends, then there's reward in the end of that, of yeah. just being able to spend time with each other. And I do have to add, there's one thing when you were talking about back on the process, John Peter mm-hmm. may not like me saying this. <laughs> close your, close but, your ears. But, uh, yeah, just take off the headphones and step outside real quick. But it's so funny because, um, you know, I'm sure people who know us know John Peter and I have a very close relationship, and he has no problem about the fact that while he shows great respect for me as a priest, he still calls me. When I first got ordained, he was a kid. He called me father from the beginning. Uh-huh. He also has no problem of advising father, James. <laughs> and so when I send him a story, because one of the things we both kind of approve each other's stories just to get yeah, that second yeah. feedback. And it's been great because I've written something. I thought, this is awesome. I got the punchline. And then I'll come back. And he's just like, you know what? I think we can do better. And it's like, oh. <laughs> but you know what? He was right. Yeah. And, and when you work on it and do better, um, you know, yeah. it, it, then, then, it's, then it's a beautiful. And really, at the end of the day, storytelling is a work of art. Mm-hmm. And really I think, is, I think yeah. just to enter into that for the sake of it. Uh, it's just a, it's just a beautiful thing. And I would also say it helps me to be very much aware when I listen to something on the radio, when I read something or, or hear something passing in conversation, if it's something that sparks my interest, that's what we do all the time. We have this, uh, he mentioned it before, the Trello board, uh, where we just simply put, it's an application that allows you to organize files and things. If we hear something, we just put it in there. And then if later on when it's time to write a story, we look at that and we say, oh, maybe there's something to it. Yeah. And as he mentioned, sometimes because of the format, it's, you know, seven, eight minute um, story. So can you fit it all in? Sometimes it just doesn't work. But uh, but it's also just the, the ability. I mean, God does so many incredible things in history and in our own lives. Yeah. And so just to be even more aware of that. And uh, and notice his presence. Yeah, very good. We're about out of time. I've been speaking to Father James Yamuchi, uh, who, as I mentioned, Associate Director of Formation at Holy Trinity Seminary. In his spare time, he's working with his brother, John Peter Yamuchi, on That's the Word podcast. You can find that uh, through search engines, or you can go to Sons of, um, gosh, I can't even, Sons of Thunder Rocks, 
com. Is that right? SonsofThunderRock.com. Okay, rock. Okay. Or you rock. can find us on Facebook. SonsofThunderRock.com. Go on Facebook. You can see it. Uh, last qu- quick question, because uh, we're just about out of time. Other than this, which you're obviously doing, how are you marketing it? How are people knowing about it? I've, right now, I mean, that's actually something we're working on now. The biggest thing was get this off the ground. Could we write the stories, first of all, to mm, keep up with yeah. the weekly schedule and then producing it? And now... Thanks to you and also uh, Texas Catholic was gracious enough to be interested in writing up about the about this podcast. But we're kind of looking at different platforms to be able to and jump here. Maybe you can see. Thanks for listening to KATH nine ten AM Frisco Dallas Fort Worth Catholic Radio for your soul on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone. 